Uh, John 14, um, we're going to read from verse 15 to 27. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on the day you will realize, on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. He will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And we end our reading at verse 27. May God add His blessing to this word. Uh, so in these weeks, we're looking together at how we are spiritually formed. How can we follow Jesus better? How can we give more glory to God? In that last verse I read in John 14, uh, how can we know the real peace, the shalom of Jesus in our lives? I believe that when we're growing deeper in God, then we are living in the sweet spot of life. It is a place of peace and not striving. It is a place of contentment. It is a place of freedom and not fear. And that is a wonderful space in which to live our lives. Now, we've seen over the past three weeks that there are three key principles we need to apply if we are to grow. If we do not have these, we will either go around in ever-decreasing circles or we will plateau in our faith, if not even go into retreat and stagnation. We saw in our first week together that we need intentionality. We need to want to grow and to get to know God better. Thanks, Wendy. That should be coming up. No. It's stuck. Oh, yeah, there we are. Intentionality. We need to want to grow. And if we don't have that desire or that want to grow, we are not going to go anywhere. We need to want to grow. So, intentionality. At the second element we saw was surrender. We need to surrender our lives to Jesus and allow Him to move in and to be King of our lives. This is something of what it means to confess Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives. A major part of the Christian walk 
is surrender. It's daily acts of, of repentance. David in Psalm 51 said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God hates a proud spirit. He loves a humble spirit, a surrendered heart. Dean Ortland defines a surrendered heart as contrite, low before the Lord, poignantly aware of personal weakness, able to laugh at ourselves, having sober judgment, and being sensitive to the depths of sin within ourselves. And of course, this surrendered heart goes on through the whole of our lives. The paradox of Christian faith is that the more we grow in holiness, the more we see that needs to be dealt with. It's like a layers of an onion. You keep peeling the onion away. And so it is with our hearts. God shows us stuff. We repent. He then shows us more stuff. We repent. And all to make us more and more like Jesus. So often the surface sins are the result or the manifestation of deeper stuff that God needs to deal with. So there is intentionality. Do you want to grow? There is surrender, the daily surrendering to Jesus and to His Spirit to change us. He is Lord. And then thirdly, last week, uh, we, we saw on top of these uh, two things, there is encounter. We need to encounter the Holy Spirit. Now, we encounter the Holy Spirit whenever we come to trust in Jesus as our Savior. That's the Holy Spirit's work. He brings us to that place. He brings us to that point where you say, I need Jesus. So we come to the point of, of encounter. And we see that that, again, is something that continues throughout our lives as Christians. It isn't just a one-off. Whenever we decide, Jesus, you died for me, I want to be saved, that's, that's good. But that is only the beginning. We, we, we start a journey with Him of encounter, fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. And last week we saw that we can place ourselves in the path of the wind of the Spirit by putting ourselves around the food, by setting aside time to wait and to behold, and thirdly, in the words of Matt Hatch, we kill off the orphan spirit. And we saw that last week, that if we are to have fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit, we need to put ourselves around the food, we need to set aside time to wait and behold and that, that, that time is so key. And we need to kill off the orphan spirit. You see, the walk with the Holy Spirit is not joyless. It is joyful. In fact, it's a wild adventure. And we start to see what Jesus meant when he said, when you come to me, you will experience life in all its fullness. And so when these three elements are there, we then move to the fourth element, which we're going to look at today, which is obedience. Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, if you obey me, if you love me, you will obey me. You will obey what I command. When we have the desire to grow, when we have surrendered and opened our hearts to the Spirit, we find that surrender and encounter leads to obedience. And in this passage in, in John 14, there's kind of a summary of what we've been looking at over the past few weeks. If you love me, keep my commands. The Father, He will give you the Spirit of truth. The world can't accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and He will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. There's the, the orphan idea. 
I will come to you. And through his Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me, says Jesus, verse 23, they will obey my teaching. Attitudes lead to action. If we have an intentionality, if we have surrendered our lives to Jesus, if we're encountering the Holy Spirit, it leads naturally to obedience. There comes a point when the talking stops and you just start doing it. Uh, Wasn't it Nike? I don't know whether they still do this. Nike, the sports brand, that was their big motto, wasn't it, in their advertising? Just do it. Just do it. Now, we've mentioned some of the ways in which we grow deeper and are spiritually formed. We need to take time to read God's Word each day. We need to talk to God. We need to pray to Him every day. We need to serve in the gifts of the Spirit that He has given to us as His church. We learn to love people, yes, even our enemies. In gathering with other Christians for worship, it's a, it's a, 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 a habit, a good habit. It's something, it's a discipline that we're to do. We make sacrifices of time and tithe. We witness for Jesus. We pray for healing. We engage in some of the spiritual disciplines like solitude and maybe even fasting and meditation. These are things that we do. And when we do these things, we're feeding on Christ. We're growing into Christ's likeness. So what I want to do this morning is to, is to unpack this obedience a little bit because there's a lot of confusion about it. We can very easily get confused. And, and three characteristics of obedience. First one is this. There is a difference between trying and training. There is a difference between trying and training. Spiritual maturity, spiritual formation does not happen overnight. It is a series of small steps on the journey. Sometimes people expect to be changed overnight, and it doesn't, it doesn't happen, and they say, well, I, I mustn't be a Christian. I haven't changed that much. And so they perhaps they give up, and they feel frustrated. But they don't realize that it's a long obedience. In the words of Eugene Peterson, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's not about trying harder. Sometimes you'll hear Christians say that, I just need to try harder. Now, there is an element of trying, as we'll see, but it's not so much about trying, it's more about training yourself. Training until something becomes second nature. Well, I want to take you back some years, maybe, whenever you decided, maybe you're in your teens, maybe 20s, and you decided you want to drive a car. I say, okay, I'm going to try at this, but actually what you do is you start to train, because there's a lot of stuff you have to take on board, a lot of stuff you have to learn. You need to learn how to steer, you need to learn what the different parts of the car is, you need to know how to change gear, how to brake, how to reverse, how to read the signs in the road, how, how to negotiate the biting point, remember the biting point? Remember how to do a hill start, all this sort of stuff. You don't just get into the car, I'm going to have a go at this, I'm going to try. No, you train. And someone helps you, they sit beside you and they mentor you. And they help you to, to, to learn how to drive. Any discipline, any job, any art needs time or discipline to learn. You have to train yourself in all of life. Why should it be any different in the spiritual life? 
You've got to train yourself in spiritual formation. It's about trial and error. It's about pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone. And you keep doing this, and a bit like driving, it comes to the point where it becomes second nature to you. Changing gear, the biting point, reversing. All these things become, well, for most of us, second nature. Some of us maybe still struggle. Uh, but it gets easier and easier and easier until the, almost you're not thinking about it. You're just doing it. You've trained yourself how to do that. The Christian life is like a marathon race. And it is a race that goes on for the rest of our lives. And I've never run a marathon. But talking to people who have, they say, you've got to train. You've got to get yourself into the place where you can run 26 miles or whatever it is. You don't just rock up and try. Anything that is worthwhile in life, you need to train for. Someone once said, an obedient life is rarely spectacular. It can be a bit of a plod, actually. It's not glamorous, but it is effective. For as we train ourselves and develop good habits, like regular church going, like daily Bible reading, like use of the disciplines, we are training ourselves into godliness, and we are being spiritually formed. Someone has calculated that it takes between 20 and 80 days to form a new habit. Let me repeat that. It takes between 20 and 80 days to form a new habit. So let's say <clears throat> you decide, right, okay, I, I, need, I need to grow in spiritual formation. I need to use God's Word to do that. You say, right, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy some daily Bible reading notes. And I'm going to do those Bible reading notes, and I'm going to do them every day from here on in. Now, you could say, I'm going to try and do that, but what you're better saying to yourself is, I'm going to train myself. I'm going to train myself in spiritual reading. And so, for the next 80 days, I'm going to train myself in spiritual reading. And as you do that, what you find is that you are forming a habit within you. You're training yourself. That's a good way to start that Bible reading, but you need that kind of length of time to start a new habit. You train yourself. You say, right, I'm going to set aside 10 minutes a day, every day, to talk to God and to read a portion of His Word. Now, 10 minutes isn't long, but it's a start. It's a small step, and so you do that every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You keep doing it every day. And you begin to form and train yourself. And what is happening is that God will then start through His Word, He'll start to percolate into your soul, and He'll start to change how you think and change how you behave. It's a bit like taking vitamin pills. The important thing is to do each each day regularly. To do it each day, it consistently builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up. You don't see the difference over a few days, but it is making a difference. Back to Eugene Peterson, it's about a long obedience in the same direction. Do you want to change? Well, then learn the difference between trying and training, and, and train yourself in these good habits. 
and make a start. Then the second thing to note is that it's not about earning, but it is about effort. It's not about earning, but it is about effort. As Christians, we can get a bit mixed up in our theology. We emphasize grace a lot in the Christian world, and that is important, and that is right. It is good that we emphasize grace. We are saved by grace. We're saved by what Jesus did on the cross. We cannot earn our way into heaven. Ephesians 2 and 8 says we are saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves. So that's saying we are not saved by earning. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So you don't earn a gift, do you? If, if you, you know, it's not a gift if you earn it. So we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift. But then read the next verse. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we're not saved by works, it's a gift, but we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's the effort. Or here's another passage in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12, Paul says, I press on there's the effort. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's the gift. I press on. There's the effort. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, the salvation. There's the gift. Again in verse 14 of Philippians 3, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. There's the effort. For which God has called me heavenwards in Christ. His call is upon me. That's the gift, the grace. So this balance needs to be in our lives. We're saved by grace. We don't earn it. But He calls us into a life of effort and of training. The Apostle Paul, we can see the Apostle Paul showing this, you know, the four elements that we've looked at over these last four weeks. First of all, Paul had the intentionality. He had the desire to grow. He was saved. He said, I want to grow into Christ's likeness. He had the intentionality. Secondly, he surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He called him Savior and Lord. Thirdly, he placed himself in the pathway of the Spirit. He had fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was leading him and directing him. And then fourthly, this led him to the place of obedience. I press on. I make every effort so that Christ can be formed in me. He was in the place of training. He uses this analogy of a race so often. He has been called heavenward, but he presses forward with the effort. Every top sports person or, or artist or musician, you know, some, sometimes we talk about musicians and they've got, they seem to have the gift, they've got the natural gift. And maybe they do have a giftedness or a painter, someone who can paint, they seem to have a natural gift that is there that I certainly don't have. I mean, if you asked me to draw, you would weep I mean, if you see my pictures. I just do not have the natural gift at all. But some people do. They've got the gift. Didn't earn it. 
But you ask any musician, you ask any artist, how did you get to the top? They will say, I trained, I practiced, I put the time in. A few years ago, there was a lot of talk about the 10,000 hours rule. Top musicians needed to put in at least, you listen, Kenny, at least 10,000 hours of training or practice to reach elite level, okay? 10,000 hours. Once you reach 10,000 hours, you're starting to go places. Now, that sounds like a lot, but it's not actually over a life of 30, 40 years, 10,000 hours is not actually that bad. Organic growth is slow. But in any, any discipline, whether it's artists, creativity, singing, music, work, whatever, you put in effort, you practice, you train. Now, why in heaven's name would you say that's the principle for growing and learning your craft, but it doesn't apply spiritually? And yet, that's what we do. We say, okay, that applies to every other discipline, everything else in life. You've got to work at it. You've got to train. You've got to practice, practice, practice. But no, I can, I can grow. I can be spiritual. I can be Christ-like. I just don't need to do anything. It's nonsense. It just doesn't work. And so you have people who are sitting in churches and they think, okay, I, I don't need to try too hard. It's all about grace, grace, grace. It's all about the gift of Christ. I just need to receive Jesus. But I don't actually have to do anything. And so they, they remain spiritually, they, they just don't grow. There's no growth. It's all surface level. It's all religious. But there's no impacting of the heart. There's no change of anything. There's no change in their personality. They're still the same crabbit person they were 20 years ago. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're, they're, they're still just as self-centered and selfish, and it's all about me, me, me. No change, because they've not been training themselves in Christ-likeness. And we all need this. I need it, and you need it, if we are to change, if we are to go deeper with Christ. As we move in the spiritual disciplines, they are the means of grace that God gives to us to change us, to be spiritually formed, to obey Him. And, and the other thing we might touch on this next week, the other aspect of this is that we need to do this in community. We need to do it together. You will not change on your own. You need as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You need other people. You need a church community. Spiritual formation is not a solitary journey. So it's not about trying, but training. It's not about earning, but it is about effort. And then thirdly, it is finally, it's not just about information. It's about transformation. We can get informed about God, and my goodness, I'm giving you a lot of information today. But the information needs to turn into transformation. And, and one of the things that needs to happen is that you need to fall in love. You need to fall in love with Jesus. Because when you're in a relationship of love, things start to change. And Jesus knew this. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Love makes all the difference. All the difference. 
It is an experiential knowing. If you know me, you will love me. It's back to oida, that Greek word of, of knowing relationally. James K.A. Smith says, human beings are primarily desiring beings. We are first and foremost lovers. The things that we want, love, and design and desire are the things that motivate us. We move in the direction of our primary desires. Our primal drive is influenced by the habits in our lives and the things we are constantly engaged in and surrounded by. You are shaped by what you love. If we love Jesus and if we keep feeding that love by placing ourselves around what He loves, then we are spiritually formed into Christ's likeness. If you love me, I'm not just a point of information, says Jesus. You will be transformed. The Apostle John puts it this way in, in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 3. He says, we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar. The truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we're in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. So whenever we love Jesus, we say, Jesus, show me what you want in my life. Change me, form me, shape me, mold me. I love you more than anything, Jesus. I cannot see you, but I love you. And Jesus is love. And when we move into that transforming relationship, we find that His love overflows into our hearts and we can love people better. We become deep people who love. And that ultimately is the sign that we're changing, is that we're loving more. So just to conclude, obedience involves training. Obedience involves effort, but obedience, if it is to transform us, involves love. Ultimately, it's because we love Jesus. At the very end of John's gospel, there's that lovely incident where Jesus makes breakfast for the disciples. It's after the resurrection. It's after Peter has denied Jesus three times. And Jesus takes Peter aside and he says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than your work? Do you love me more than your football team? Do you love me more than your spouse? Do you love me more than your children? Do you love me more than these things? That's quite a question, isn't it? But ultimately, if we can say, yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Jesus, I love you, even over these things and over these people. We are on the road to obedience, to transformation, to change. And the answer to that question, do you love me, will determine more than anything else how deep you will go with them. Do you love me? Shall we pray?
And just in the stillness of this time and as we come near the end of this service, Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and as I ask that question, do we love Jesus? Lord, take that question, speak to our hearts, wherever we might be, even listening online, and say, do you love me? And what is that going to look like? What changes are you going to make this week? What time are you going to set aside? You've said you love me, but what is that now going to look like? So Holy Spirit, maybe for each of us, one thing that we can do, one small step to go on that journey of transformation, of spiritual formation, of going deeper with you, one thing. And to you be the glory in our lives, both now and forevermore. Amen.